Welcome to an episode of The Rabbi and the Shrink. This is Dr. Margarita Guri, and then my favorite rabbi, Jonas and Goldson. And today we have my dear friend, Brita Miller. Hi, Brita. Hi, Brita. Today, the topic is free speech. Um, I, my family had escaped a communist country, Cuba, and the idea of free speech is near and dear to me. So I'm going to ask the two of you, why is free speech such a big deal? Go ahead, Brita. Uh, well, I, I think it's a big deal because it's the essence of being in a free country, I think. Um, but I think the challenge today is the confusion between um, the ability to say anything you want um, and the right to say what you feel and what you believe. Um, but, but people seem to be confused about there are often consequences when you utilize that or you have a misunderstanding about um, a, a sense of the appropriate. And if someone suggests that something should not be said, then they are being canceled or they are being um, harmed or limited in some way. So some of it is courtesy. Some of it is just, I think, um, a, a, a misguided thought process about what free speech really is. How's that? <laughs> Great start. Rabbi? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my favorite quotes is by George Orwell, that if, 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 if thought can corrupt language, language can also corrupt thought. And free, free speaking and free thinking go together. Uh, we have to be able to be articulate to know what words mean, to use words with respect. And to your point, Brita, about the cancel culture, which is really just a, an extension of political correctness, being afraid to say what things are for fear of, of giving offense, which is not to say we shouldn't be civil and respectful, but we shouldn't be afraid of calling things by their proper names. We shouldn't be afraid of ideas when we engage with one another thoughtfully, respectfully, you know, constructive disagreement means that we don't have to agree all the time, but we're in search of the truth. We're trying to understand each other better. We're trying to understand our different perspectives better. And if we shut that down, what we're doing is we're destroying the integrity of thought. And once that happens, we're, we're headed in a really dangerous direction. So we know fear of consequences is one of the reasons why we may not speak up. But there's certainly other reasons, including, I think, I think we're losing the understanding of how to say things in a constructive way. Um, is it okay it for me? me of, of, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It, it reminds me of, you know, the ability to um, disagree without being disagreeable. Well um, said. Brita you know, Miller. And thinking. Rita is a perfect choice for this topic because not only is she a dear friend whose opinion I value greatly, but she is the, um, the creator, the playwright, and the only performer of a one-woman show, Mrs. Kelly's Journey Home. And talk about a journey for free speech. Um, being in a new culture, is it okay to speak up when you don't understand the culture? Well, isn't that what we are now? Wherever we are, there's a culture we don't understand. Um, 
the young kids with their pronouns, I'm trying really hard. And I have a grandchild who's 13. I, I call them the they of one. And they are teaching me about the culture of my ability to have limited free speech with pronouns out of respect. And doesn't it make sense to be respectful, even if it explodes my brain a little bit? Um, why is, I mean, why can't we legislate the issue of inappropriate speech? Why can't we just legislate that? That's the question that Paula Tutman asked. Well, I think well, it really comes down to- I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's just, it, it comes down to what ethics is all about, the difference between ethics and compliance. Um, compliance is a structure, but you can't rely on compliance to do your ethical thinking for you. You can't legislate good behavior. It has, there has to be a desire to behave well. And while we need laws, because those, the, those are the, that's the skeleton on which a, that holds a, a society erect, but the flesh and blood and sinew of a society is our willingness to understand how we should behave, how we should engage people, what's a proper way of expressing ourselves. Uh, so we, who we dictates that? So if, if I'm going to, if I'm in government and I want to incite a crowd to charge the capital, why is that not okay? Don't we have free speech? I know I'm misbehaving by asking this question. You are. Um, I know. Thanks for noticing. So the whole <laughs> issue is if I'm in a theater, I'm, mm -hmm. am I not allowed to shout out fire? No. So what are the consequences, the injurious consequences? And sometimes this speaking thoughtlessly is incredibly irresponsible. That I believe can be legislated, the consequences of what we say. But why am I not allowed to shout fire in a crowded room? Because people can get hurt. And now if, if there was an actual fire and you were doing it with your intent was to save lives so people would evacuate in, in a safe manner, I, I guess that's okay. Um, but if your intent is to cause chaos, if your intent is just to see what would happen and see if you could get a reaction. And then as a result, people would likely be trampled or hurt or, or damaged right. in some way. I, I think that's it. Um, one uh, current cultural reference that um, when I think about free speech and you were asking about, you know, ask, being able to ask questions or being able to have difficult conversations. Um, our dear friend, the great philosopher, Ted Lasso, you know, um, one of my favorite quotes from from that television show, and I think it was originally said by Mark Twain. So please forgive me that I don't know the the origin. Um, but it's when you when you have a conversation to be curious, not judgmental. And I think there is a difference between curiosity and asking people about their life or their actions or or their beliefs versus being judgmental and phrasing statements or making accusations or judgmental, right. you know, those kinds of things. I, I think that's right. a really important um, caveat. So we do need and, to be able to talk about difficult things as you well know. And the difference is mindfulness. If I can stay curious, we had Daryl Davis, the rabbi and I on our show and he stayed curious. He's um, 
a, a jazz musician who happens to be African-American. And he got curious about KKK and their thoughts and their position. And he started a series of respectful conversations where he listened and he ended up changing the world. And he had a bunch of guys hang up their robes. I mean, just by being curious and mindful, he's also a very powerful person personally. Yeah, over 200 members left the KKK, not because he, he started off convincing them they were wrong, but he simply gave them the opportunity to get to know him. And he yeah. got to know them and those relationships led them to give up their, their membership. You know, if you're, what you're saying, Breed, if I say to you, what's that supposed to mean? Well, it may be, it may be linguistically a question, but it's, I'm not asking a question. I'm, I'm making a statement. It's an attack. So tone is integral to communication. And there has to be that real desire to understand where others are coming from. Absolutely. And beyond relationships, when we listen the way Daryl Davis did, we're also giving people a chance to explain like what you talked about in your TED Talk, Rabbi, that do we question whose value is it that we're espousing? It, and, and what makes me think that? Is it automatic as my mother or father or grandfather believed it or my favorite teacher? I mean, questioning ourselves without being mean or harsh or judgmental is critical, just as critical is trying to understand someone with curiosity. Rita, you had something to say? Yeah, I, I'm thinking about um, travel and the importance of experiencing other cultures firsthand and meeting people where they are and, and learning that we are far more alike than we are different. But if you live in a bubble surrounded by people who look like you, believe as you do, um, stay in the same place your entire life, it, it's very easy, I think, for those people to um, feel threatened by anyone who's different, the other. And then to get sucked into this mindset of um, they are in danger and they have something to fear people who look differently or believe differently or behave differently than themselves. And um, you know that it, it's, it's terrifying. And I, unfortunately, I think COVID exacerbated that problem where people not traveling and staying hunkering down for a good reason. Um, but I, you know, this it, not travel just for pleasure, but really what it does to one's brain and one's mind and one's heart. That's, that's one solution that I, I, I hope people will be able to do more of. Yeah. There's a, there's a joke, uh, that, uh, Two guys are sitting at a bar and they say to the bartender, uh, settle a bet for us. Are we in the London Hilton or the Cairo Hilton? You, know, you, you can travel, but you know, if you follow the tourist path, yep. you can insulate yourself traveling just as well as you can insulate yourself at home sure. to actually go out and, and make the effort to meet people who are local, to engage them, to try to understand them. Just learn about them. Uh, that is broadening, and it, it teaches us that you know our view, our outlook on the world and on humanity is not the same as everybody else's. And Kevin's, I think that's what makes business and family strong in communities. Well, that's what diversity ideas. should be all about: is different perspectives. 
Yeah, mm -hmm. a long time ago, I taught at a progressive school, the Park School in, um, in Maryland. And it was amazing, just amazing. And there was a brilliant administrator, Louise, I think it was Meta, her last name. Anyway, she was brilliant. And one of the things she did when we were picking new professors, new teachers, was she invited kids from different ages. Um, and we were also, for any issue, encouraged to invite anyone who's a vendor, anyone who was in our sphere of awareness, to get input uh, and try and understand all the possibilities in how to think about something and how to respond in terms of creative and thoughtful solutions to things. I was very excited by being a part of that process. It's like, um, it gets the creative juices going to be sure. If I can go back to our original topic, you know, the, uh, the sages ask why um, the Torah was not given to the Jews while they were still in Egypt. Why did they have to leave and go out into the desert? Good question, and, Rabbi. And that, well, it's not my question. I'm just, uh, I'm just reporting, reporting here. Uh, but their answer is fascinating. They said that speech in Egypt was in exile. They said that the culture was so oppressive, was so constrained, that it was impossible to articulate depth of idea in a meaningful way. The, you know, the, the labor was, was dawn to nightfall. And it was relentless. And, you know, it, it's, it, people were so exhausted, were so completely overwhelmed that there simply wasn't the capacity to, to think. And, you know, when you, when you read 1984 and you see that, that Orwell describes a society where it's so oppressive, where people can't even think, the language is being, is being destroyed to eliminate ideas that are contrary to the party line. Um, and when you look at, at the, the movements in our society to do just that, to limit speech, to control speech, and the challenge is that on the other side, what we're talking about is there, is, there has to be civility, there has to be empathy, there has to be a sensitivity that not all, all speech is appropriate. And it's the struggle to resolve that gray area of what's proper, what's improper. That's where our humanity comes from. That's where that was makes society healthy. So let's let's wind down and talk now about what we can do about it now. And I'll ask each of you, I mean, you're both very wise, you're both very practical people. What can we do now? when there is a problem with free speech, because um, when things are going well, we all know what to do, you encourage it. I mean, that one's an easy peasy one, right? But when there's a problem, I think is when we're getting into cancel culture or restricting speech, um, um, being incredibly threatening um, or feeling threatened. So what can we do now? The challenge that I have is when I interact with people who I'm related to um, <laughs> have a, 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 a belief system, they believe things that I know to not be true to be facts. And the best thing that I can do is to be civil 
Um, I spoke with an individual the other day about COVID and I said that I'm so grateful that no one in my household has contracted COVID and we're vaccinated and, you know, that's great. And his response was, well, you should come down to Florida. You know, we didn't have it here and, and we don't have it. It's fine. Nobody wears masks. It's fine. And I took a deep breath and I paused knowing who I was speaking with. And I said, millions of people died. And his response was, well, they probably would have died anyway. And I, I had nowhere to go. And so I realized I know who I'm talking with and I was civil and I made, my, I made a point, but mm -hmm. I really didn't think I could go any further. And that's one of my frustrations is, I guess knowing your audience is always important. Um, it wasn't a life or death situation. It wasn't threatening to me. Um, I certainly wasn't in any danger, but it was just espousing a point of view that is simply false. And it's, it, it breaks my heart. Well, logic certainly does not have to interfere with anyone's opinions at times. No. <laughs> yeah. Not a constraint and, and, for so many. Rabbi? Yeah, and, yeah and, and, you know, Frida, in that type of situation, all you can do is, is to sort of extricate yourself uh, politely um, because there really is nowhere to go. But, you know, there are people on both sides that want to engage. Um, you know, I, I, I wrote an article um, after the the January six uh, events, <laughs> and um, and I said I made a statement. I said um, Donald Trump is responsible for the insurrection and should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. And then I said, if you agree with this, write a short essay supporting the opposite point of view. And if you disagree with it, do the same. Now, I got, I got a significant amount of comments. Some people said, there is no other side. I got that from both sides. But I also had people who wrote me and said, I did what you said. And it was very, it was very enlightening. It helped me understand the other side. I got that from both sides too. So there is hope that we can bridge this distance. You know, we did it on this show when we had Scott Mason on, and I come from big biblical value system, he's gay, and we had an open conversation about how it's possible for us to engage each other. And I think that's probably the proudest moment I have from this entire podcast, that we could do that. And we can do it in our private lives. We can look for people who come from different points of view, and we can say, you know, you have an outlook that's very different from mine. Mine is different from yours. Could we just try to understand each other a little bit better? Yeah. And that was possible because Scott Mason's a, a brilliant thinker with a good heart. And he wanted to understand. And he wanted to be understood. And same as you. And it was uh, a pleasure to hear the two of you talking about that. Um, it's, it's fascinating. I was very Doesn't pleased. Let's get back down to the intent. What, what is our intent? Is it right. And let's let's go back to intent, because with the fire, if my intent is to save lives, I'm still being irresponsible and dangerous and causing a riot by shouting fire. Mm -hmm. So we cannot have intent that's free of understanding its consequences. Intent's a good place to start. But we really do also have to understand the laws uh, and 
your principles of human behavior. You know, if the intent is to save lives and I think that the air pressure is wrong in an airplane and I break a window, that doesn't mean that what I did was safe. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to inform our thinking and our actions with questions that we all ask ourselves. You know, what goes behind that? Why do I think that? Why, why is this is okay or not okay? Um, is there a different way of looking at it? And that was one of my questions that, you know, I raised a, a few kids and I would say, well, how do you think they thought about this? What's their point of view? And my father would, would also say, so if you had the rock in your hand, why did you throw it at the little Cuban girl? He would ask us. And I thought, well, that's not a good question next. Um, but he made us have empathy and compassion, but also a 360 view that would help us have more personal power. So I think for me, one of the answers is know yourselves, ask yourselves what you really believe and why, what are the consequences of speaking up about it? Like, like you know, Brita, you decided it was a conversation that was a good time to let it go, right? So th those are my thoughts. Anyone else have final words for our free speech discussion? Uh, maybe free speech isn't free, that there are consequences. Freedom is earned by good choices and yes. good hearts. Yeah, and, and, and in this country, we have so much focus on our rights. We really need to focus more on our responsibilities because they go hand in hand. If we aren't responsible, we aren't going to keep those rights because society will disintegrate. And I, I agree with that. Just as freedom is earned with the sacrifice of our military and other people who have the courage to speak up or act well and be kind. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for joining the rabbi and the shrink. Uh, Brita, we're just delighted that you joined us. Why don't you spend one second, tell us about when is your play up? When, where can people buy tickets, ma'am? Oh my goodness, you're so good to me. Well, my website is Breda, B-R-E-E-D-A, Miller.com. And I keep things posted there all the time. Um, but the next performance will be February 5th in Trenton, Michigan. And it's available, tickets are available on Eventbrite. And then in, I'll be in Florida on Valentine's Day, Vero Beach, Ooh. Florida. And I just found out I will be um, in Chicago on March 10th at the Beverly Arts Center. So things are happening, really exciting. And probably- well, I might join you in March. I would that, love that. That would be nice. And how about Ireland? You're having an Irish tour too. Yes. Anybody who has ever dreamed of going to Ireland, come with me. <laughs> We're having um, a great excursion. And Rabbi, you'll be happy to know that while we will have a group, we will have plenty of time to interact with people and get to know people, many of them my cousins, I think. Um, but I, I, it's next September. And it's called Mrs. Kelly's Journey Home Tour of Ireland. Ten days. We are going to have a blast. And um, I'm also going to have a, an opportunity to perform the show in Ireland, which is wonderful. Well, I think it's wonderful. I knew Brita when it was just an idea in her head. And I saw it come to fruition. And um, uh, You've seen it so many sound... times. I think you know the script. So. I, I have seen it so many times. I do know the script. And I have to say, without sounding patronizing, I'm very proud of our Brita Miller. Talk about free speech. She decided to take an issue and share it with the world to open hearts and minds. So there we go. 
Well, this has been the Rabbi and the Shrink, and uh, we will see you in another episode. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Rabbi and the Shrink, Everyday Ethics Unscripted. To book Dr. Redshue, Dr. Margarita Guri, or Rabbi Jonasen Goldson as speakers or advisors for your organization, contact them at therabbiandtheshrink.com. This has been a Dr. Redshue production.